We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. Today we're, uh, well, we have Julie Lee back on from Adore Beast, and we're kind of looking at cancer. What I like about you, what, what I like about most about talking with you is that you always have a very different perspective. I was talking to Mariana about this before you came on, but like you, I'm just very interested to hear your perspective on on cancer. You know, I think we talked about last time how it's, you know, you kind of get this diagnosis and it's, there's a panic that ensues and um, it's just, it's it's helpful to know it's, it's, it's going to be okay, you know, and you're not going to be left alone trying to make these decisions by yourself. Yeah, and um, I did a I did a lecture I think six years ago now in Chicago for for dogs naturally on cancer. Yep. It was a two part one, so I did um, did it two days in a row. And I think you know when you when you said that and and when we were talking before. Um, the amount of people that came to my clinic with cancer was huge, right? Like, I mean, what do they say? One in every two dogs is going to be diagnosed with cancer. So there's a large, a large amount of dogs. And when I was in practice for 20 years and being a alternative, you know, uh, you know, an integrative veterinary hospital, Mm -hmm. um, we saw a ton of cancer and whether the people whether people were deciding whether they were going to go strictly holistic or they wanted to do integrative therapy so that you were that you were still going to use drugs and um um you know something like nutrition and homeopathy and things like that so an integrative approach we we saw we thought we did see a lot so i didn't even know i was doing this and until um, you know, quite a few years later, when I w- I was talking to people that I had been working with, that whose dogs or cats died from cancer, and you know whether that was you know six months after we started working with them or six years after we started working with them. Um, they ultimately got new puppies or new kittens or whatever, and they would come back to see me all the time. Like they would wanted to start fresh, right? Like yeah. they wanted to, to not, you know, do what they felt were their mistakes along the way. To me, it's never mistakes. It's always a learning experience. Right. And uh, they would say to me, you know, my experience, our experience with, when our dog died from cancer, working with you in the, in this clinic was a different experience than we ever thought we were going to have with cancer. Right. And, and they, all of them would say that that's what I would say to them. It's, it's good. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And I didn't even realize I was saying that I didn't, I honestly didn't even realize that, that that's what I was saying. Um, until I really thought about it and 
what I was meaning was exactly what I was saying. Like, I didn't mean it's going to be okay. Your dog's not, we're going to cure your dog from cancer and it's going to live its long, healthy, normal life. What I was saying is that exactly like you said, we were going to navigate this process together. They could ask as many questions as it, as it, as they wanted. The plan would be put in place that would fit them right in, in their philosophies and their hearts and their ability to work with, with their animal and that they weren't going to be left alone being told they had to do this chemotherapy or this surgery and then this chemotherapy and this radiation or they it was too late and they had to euthanize their dog right like that's kind of the that's kind of the choices that people get right it's very similar to yeah people you know other than the euthanasia part um and and that is exactly what i meant henry um it's is it here we go i have to put him out sorry Um, so the, that without even knowing that that's what I wanted to do, that is what I was doing is I was trying to help them navigate whatever time that they had left with this animal, that it was the, the best quality of life that we could provide for, for this animal. Cause my honest opinion doing thousands of cases of cancer mm-hmm. is that whether you do just holistic or whether you do an integrative approach there i felt like we had better or equally as as um good results doing what we did in comparison to just doing conventional treatment. Yeah. Like I felt like there was no, there was no, um, like we, we weren't tipping the scale on the downside. We were tipping the scale on the positive side. You know, we would, we would be treating animals that people would come back and say, you know, should we recheck him? Because, he doesn't seem like he has cancer and people at the dog park don't think he has cancer and he's acting totally normal and he's whatever. And, you know, lots of times we actually did because they responded so well. Yeah. And, you know, wasn't gone, still there. Yeah. Same, same diagnosis, same prognosis, but it was like remarkable how they were. Right. right. And how long they stayed like that. Like, like, Sometimes years, years and years. Right. So, um, I think so. When you say it's going to be okay, I think uh, the 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 lecture that that I did. What I did is I asked everybody to. Before we started the lecture, I I said to everybody, if you if you took your animal, the love of your life, or even a person, even you as a human being went to your doctor and your doctor said to you, um, you have an imbalance in your body that is not allowing your body to, to go back into homeostasis, but we are going to work with it to see if we can 
we can bring your body back into balance. How would you feel compared to walking in and saying, Mrs. Smith, I'm really sorry, but your dog has cancer. Yeah. Or Mrs. Smith, I'm really sorry, you have cancer. I'd feel much more hopeful. Yeah. And I feel like even using the word as, as, as someone to hear this causes your entire body to go into trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Like it instantly goes into this space of, of like terror, you know, like it, 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 it really, it either goes into a place of terror or it goes into the place of, you know, F you cancer. You know, we see those bumper stickers. Yeah. Um, You know, so you go into that fight, fight or flight, right? I'm not going to die. I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to win this thing. It's neither space is a good space for healing. And and forget about spirituality. Mm -hmm. Forget about any of that. You, if you literally just look at the body, the body doesn't heal in a place of fight or flight or chronic stress. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do that. It it's in this place where it feels like it has to run or fight. It doesn't just sit and heal and allow itself to heal. It, it, it goes into, it, it doesn't heal very well with, with high cortisol levels or, or, and that's what happens when you're constantly worried or you're stressing out or, you know, so, so I, I said it and it's easy for me to talk about this, but, it, but I'm being very serious and I've seen it time and time and time and time and time and time again, um, personally through my own animals and personally through, um, my patients and personally through my, my clients and personally through people in my family, you know, like I, I, I watched this, I've watched this. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's just something to look at. So when I did this lecture, I said, from this day for, from this time forward, you're not going to hear the word cancer from me. We're going to use a different, a different way of explaining this disease or this imbalance. Um, and we're going to, we're just going to, I think I, I, I just named it. Um, uh, I forget what I lack of balance lb or something like that i I don't even remember what word i used but i never yeah you know like i didn't i just didn't use use that word and when i when i was talking to them about this and then i went into the i went into the the lecture i i like i've lectured for a very long time right like i've been lecturing for 25 years and i don't think i've done a lecture maybe one in england long, 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 long time ago, but to a bunch of vets, but I don't think I've done a lecture to a group of people. I think there was like 500 people there where I had as many people lined up to talk to me at the end Mm -hmm. saying to me, crying, saying to me, you know, my dog died from cancer. I wish I knew this before it died. Even if he died, I wish I felt how I felt listening to you during that period of 
his transition or her transition. And what are they like what are they referring to? Are they talking like just like a mindset, like their their perspective on it? Yeah. Like so a lot of them were just I, scared I, when they first got the diagnosis and they kinda went into And throughout the whole mode. entire thing. Yeah, and the whole thing. Through the whole entire experience, whether that experience was three months or three years, you know, or a yeah. year and a half or whatever. And and that's sort of what I said. Like I mean I'm I'm always very open and transparent about how I learn things. And, you know, I often learn things through an, a personal experience because I have so many animals and I, and I, and I dig into that deeply with them. And, um, um, what we were talking about with that is that when, when you're, um, um, when you're in a place of, something has something really severe, right? Because animals can die from chronic disease that isn't cancer, mm -hmm. right? They can yeah. die from Cushing's. They can die from, you know, cardiomyopathy. They can die from a lot of different things, right? It's right. not just cancer that kills them. Right. But when we hear that, we go into a different, a different realm, mm -hmm. right? Like if your dog was diagnosed with, you know, early stage heart disease, you'd be scared and you probably would be careful if you're exercising them and stuff like that, but it wouldn't be this instant death sentence. Yeah. Right? It wouldn't be this instant, I'm yeah, losing my dog, it's it, dying. It's something you think about since like the day you pick up your puppy. I feel like I, since I've had Mozzie for 12 years, it's like always like it's in the back of my head, like when's it, when's it going to happen? You know what I mean? When's like, it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Because you know, you know, statistically speaking like you're talking about i think every, one out of two dogs over the age of 10 will succumb to cancer right so you're just like when is it when am i going to get the news and so when you hear it it's, it's it's just scary yeah well i was seeing dogs i was seeing golden retrievers and um uh like standard poodle crosses with like every single cross bernies or whatever yeah. um imaginable i was seeing them at like 16 months one year with cancer I was seeing really, really, really young dogs with cancer. So, um, but I want to get into a little bit about my idea with dogs. Like how we can do the best that we can to try and derail cancer. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to get into that with you. Yeah. But I, um, I, I really, I really think that our, our, our way that we need to look at it needs to try to shift, right? So, you know, the other thing that I say is that we all have cancer in us every single solitary day, right? We have cancer cells in our body and every day and, and so do our animals. So what is hap what's happening to one animal or one person where it becomes an issue? Right? What 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 are we doing that our body no longer is able to create cell death correctly and it morph into more cancer cells, right? Like or the cancer yep. cells take over. Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat. For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging. Easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets. 
Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes. Girls Gone Raw is an Ohio business started by a girl with an uncontrollable passion for pets and all things natural. By combining this passion with extensive research, they begin making all-natural, carnivore-focused treats and chews that both pets and their owners will go nuts for. Check them out at girlsgonerawpet.com. So what, what is, let's look at that, you know, let's look at cancer prevention. Let's look at, let's look at all of this stuff. Right. But I don't even say let's look at cancer prevention, even though I'm in my fourth year at Dalhousie university in cancer research. I, I I don't, I'm not, I'm researching cancer (laughs) and I, and I literally am going through a patent process and the whole nine yards. But when I, when I looked at it, when I'm looking at it, I'm not looking at what is I, you know, it's very interesting. If, if you're going to do cancer research, it was very hard for me to start cancer research because you have to be in a box. That's, you know, I don't do well in boxes at all. Never have, never will. But in this case, I had to be in a box or you can't get funding. You can't get taken seriously. The universities won't really work with you. Like you, you kind of have to fit into this box. And I didn't know how, cause it's just not the way I, I am. So I wound up running like five different other studies alongside of it. Yeah. It's, it's like I, if, if I, if I, if this is actually doing what I think it's going to do or what it is doing, I want to know why it's doing it. I want to know how it's doing it. That's not even part of it, yeah. right? That's not even part of really the research. They just, they just, you know, let's find something that's going to kill the cells. And, and for me, it's like, okay, I, can, I can't do this without understanding what is it, what's it doing like way even before that? Because if we can figure that out, wouldn't it be cool to take this to prevent this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. so, so. I think there's a big part of cancer prevention that we're not looking at. And I think what that really is, is it is helping to keep the body un, un, non-repressed and non-suppressed. I think that's the big, I think that's the two biggest causes of cancer is repression and suppression. And I think it's the two biggest things for chronic disease in general. And repression and suppression from people and animals come from a true holistic perspective. Are you repressed and suppressed emotionally? Right? Are you are you are you allowing your body and your dog's body? We talked about this in the last podcast about letting dogs be dogs. Yeah. Right? Letting letting the allowing them, not suppressing their their species nature, right? Yeah. So much. Right. And when we think about why are animals getting, why are people getting cancer? They're saying, they're saying like, I don't even know because I don't have all my notes in front of me from my lectures and stuff, but it was massive. The amount that even, that even the, the, you know, the, 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 what you guys have in the U.S., the disease control, center of disease control, says that the emotional state of a person has this massive percentage of causing cancer or, or not, not just causing it, but the prognosis of even chemotherapy 
right? That that the that the people that had a better outlook and the and a better emotional perspective or had had better progno like the prognosis was even better or the mm -hmm. outcomes are better. What would you say? So what what would you say? Sorry, I have a question. So like when no, you we you're fine. talking about you know, it, you you get the you get the, the doctor says, "Hey, you know, you have cancer. Your dog has cancer." And you you know, you're saying you can either you have that like fight mentality or the really the flight mentality or you're scared and run away from it. But what what would you recommend as far as the, the mentality that you should work to have? Like what what should Well, yeah. So so you know, I'm I'm going through this with my sister right now because my sister has cancer, and we have very different views on health. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the same family. I love her to death. Like I just love her so much, but it's not helpful for me to be pushing my my. It's not helpful for her for me to push to push her with what I think. Um, we're getting a big huge load of stuff. Sorry. Yes, um. Uh, my views on her or my philosophies on her okay and so it's a it's a hard space for me to be in yeah. you know when i have all of these tools and all of this this what i feel like i and i really had to like step back and like get rid of my ego and go okay julie like you know that that's just one piece right i know healing and the therapies that you use for healing is one piece of healing. Yeah. And the other piece of healing is getting the body in a space where it knows what to heal and it knows it in it and it knows how to do it. Right? So um the first thing that I say to people is try to stop looking at it as the C word and look at it as bringing your body back into balance to do what it knows how to do. Yeah. Our, every single person's body knows how to heal itself. Like it, it really does. And it, and depending on what tools that you're going to use for me, it's a big, it's a big, you know, it's hard to do this with like, you can't make your dog do this but your dog lives in your energy, yep. right? Your dog lives in your energy, right? And you live in the energy of your dog. The problem with that is, is that we're two in our heads and we're rushing around like nut bars all day long Yeah. that we actually don't allow ourselves to be in our dog's energy. They're, they're, they're fully happy to give us our, their energy. Hey, chill out. Come play with me. Hey, look at this. Oh, isn't this cool? And it's a bug. Oh, isn't this interesting? And it's a stick. Oh, isn't this whatever? We're they're inviting us. Hey, come come play in our energy for a yeah. bit. Come sit in our energy. Come be in our energy for a bit. I think I I love cats when it comes to that sometimes because you know some of my cats will sleep on my chest. And they tend to do that when I'm super stressed or sad or or in a, in a in a space where I need to like regain my myself. And that in the and when they purr, it res. They say that purring actually resonates has a healing resonance, mm. even with people. Yeah. Right. 
So, you know, even, even in that space, but that's usually when I'm already lying down and trying to sleep and I'm already trying to get into that space. But we don't, we don't, we don't share the space with our animals nearly as much as we should to, to allow them to help us with yeah. our health, our own health. Yeah, they're absorbing and more that, of our energy than we are there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you have a diagnosis with your animal um, of something like that, it is really vital that you shift your energy into that place where your expectations is that the body, given the right tools, will know what to do. And in that expectation, it is, for me, always, is it longevity or is it, or is it quality? You know? Yeah. And, and this is, you know, I don't know whether this sounds really ethereal or, or whatever, but I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it empirically thousands of times. So if you're, if you're stuck on longevity, you know, He's got to live five more years. He's got to live till my child goes to kindergarten. He's got to live till this. He's got to live till that. There's this There's this solid box expectation of what you're asking the body to do. In comparison to, my God, I love him so much. I just want him to be happy. I just want him to enjoy life. I know that he's not afraid to die. I know, I mean... I don't mean that animals aren't afraid to die if they're being chased by something that's going to kill them. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. The, the the attachment to how long they're here is not as big as their attachment to having, like, a really great time when they're here. Yeah. You know, and, and love and exercise mm -hmm. and whatever, food. So if we can shift our expectations from a place of how long are they going to live and oh my god they can't die in three months to what have i got to do to 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 give you the best quality life i can possibly give you because that in itself often shifts your decision between conventional holistic or combination of both because from my experience of working with lots and lots of cancer patients, their quality of life, when you're giving them the tools that they can create quality of life in comparison to bombing out cancer cells, there is no comparison. Sure. There's no comparison of how they're going to live over here with giving them the tools to injecting or giving them something that is just going to go in and be like a war zone. Yeah. You know? Yep. Just even shifting yourself that helps so many people make a very hard decision. You know, really hard decision. Be and and I, I think then what happens is that if your if your if your goal is quality of life and giving them the tools that creates this quality of life. When they're having quality of life, they're healing. Yeah. 
their body is in this synergistic place where things are working the way they're supposed to work. And then you go in, then your practitioner, whomever you're working with, goes into the space of assessing that and then trying to maintain that long enough for the actual homeostasis to take effect. For the body to, to grab a hold of that enough to move into that, into that, into that space. And I, I, I've been so blessed because I've had tons of people come to me and say, <clears throat> we're here because we've made the decision we're not doing chemo. Right? We just want him to have a good life. Yeah. Whatever life he's got left yeah. for her. So I've been really lucky to just take that approach as, you know, a newbie when I was first first opening my clinic, uh -huh. to take that approach of just looking at everything to make this animal feel good, not even understanding what I just said to you. Yeah. That understanding came from me practicing and going, holy man, it seems like as soon as they feel really good and we're giving them all the stuff that they that they that they need to feel good physiologically things are shifting that we can't even see are shifting and it's manifesting and we're seeing it through their symptomatology of them feeling great and eating and sleeping it makes and pooping perfect it makes running. perfect sense you know what i mean when you say it like that it makes perfect sense of course it does but nobody thinks about it like that no right no one really it's and even holistic practitioners who have so many wonderful they're they're still sort of like compartmentalizing it like when we just talked about like you know the sclerosis of the liver and things like that yeah. you know we and we can and it's awesome and it's great to be able to do that but when we approach it from allowing our bodies to respond or our animal's body to respond to the way that it individually needs to respond it really helped me as a practitioner to go, okay, when I do this, the body responds. When I do this, which even holistically is, says this is what I'm supposed to do, it doesn't respond so well because that's not what that body needs. That body needs this, which, you know, sometimes as a, as a newbie, I stumbled across, right? Because you know, I'd be treating them with, you know, everything that I, that I was supposed to do and every, every, you know, piece that, you know, I learned and whatever. And then they would have an episode of something like, let's say it was diarrhea or an episode of anxiety or an episode of limping or an episode of pain or whatever, this thing would come out. And then I would address that thing, right? I would address what I was seeing and but not from a place of like we got to stop it blah 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 it's like okay now it needs this support yeah right it needs this herb it needs this remedy it needs this whatever because this is what is the layers are coming off right and this is what's happening now and then i would give that and they would just turn around like it would just be like holy crap like yeah, he's not limping, but now he's eating and he's not throwing up. And he's, you know, like like all of this this domino effect would happen that then I really was started to learn, 
oh, okay, so symptoms, which is going to move me into the other direction of how I think we can prevent some of this stuff. We are so proud of our sponsor today, our friends at Steve's Real Food, who help make the Fangs and Fur podcast come true. Steve's makes real food from locally sourced ingredients that enable you to give your dog or cat nutritional meals every single day with no fillers, no preservatives. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's? I like a lot of things about Steve's, but one is their long history. They've been doing it longer than most. The second thing is they use whole food and only whole food ingredients. They don't use synthetics. It's just real simple whole food. What do you mean simple? Well, when people look on the back of a bag of kibble, they see a long list of ingredients that most people don't even know what they are. You'd almost have to be a chemist to know. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I'll pull out a box of Steve's Real Food and I'll show them what's in their food. And what you see is beef, beef heart, beef liver, beef kidney, raw goods, smoke, broccoli, and a bunch of other whole food, real food. And Mozzie likes it too. So of course I'm a big fan. I know Anthony and I love their mission statement to produce food that is good for your pet and the land that they walk on. So come into our shop, Fangs and Fur, to learn more about Steve's from Anthony or visit stevesrealfood.com. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us. Symptoms are not a bad word. People always go, oh, well, doctors just, medical just, you know, just, you know, treat the symptoms. They actually don't treat the symptoms. Conventional medicine and conventional doctors do not treat symptoms. They suppress symptoms. Very big difference, right? Very, very different, different mentality. As a homeopath or as a functional um, practitioner, we're taught that a symptom happens. I mean, mean, unless you're hit by a horse, (laughs) Um, you know, but even those symptoms are individual compared to somebody else that might get hit in the same place by the horse. But, but those symptoms are an expression, the body's, the body's language of what's going on on a deeper level. So if we are just like, we need an anti-inflammatory, we need an antibiotic, we need to kill this, we need to stop this, we need to stop it. Yeah. You're not going to where it's sick, where it's happening, where it's starting from, that the symptoms then appear, right? So when you take that perspective of when you're when you're working holistically and naturally, we're always looking at the root cause. So when you look at a symptom, we're prescribing things and doing things that yes, support the symptoms, but go to the core reason of why those symptoms are even there. So we're saying, okay, body, dog, cat, horse, person, doesn't matter. We, we, we're listening and hearing, hearing your expression of your disease. So when I worked with cancer, that's how I worked with it all the time. And, but it's how I work with everything and it's why I think there's so many diseases is because we have this layered effect. So you have a body that has an ear infection and that ear or skin, let's use skin. Skin disease is a massive one. 
skin disease or skin your our skin is our largest organ on the bo on a on on a body it's the first detoxification and the largest detoxification on the body so if something's sick inside your body or something's off inside your body often the first way of the body naturally bringing that homeostasis back in or ridding the body of that imbalance is through the skin because it's the least life-threatening organ or diarrhea or throwing up or some kind of exudation like getting rid of purging right yeah if we don't go to why that purging is necessary and we just go at stopping the purging here's the disease and then the band-aid comes on right and then the body's like, okay, well, I'm going to outsmart you. I'm just going to change directions because i got to get this thing out of here. i got to get this. i got to rid this. This has, to, this has to leave. So it tries another route because you've already suppressed the first route. Right. Then another route comes out. And then it gets stopped or suppressed there. Right? Then it tries another one. And then all of a sudden you start getting drug pathology which isn't even, so they start getting sick because you screwed up their gut so bad yeah, that they have dysbiosis. Like three or four different drugs at that point with all these different symptoms. Right. Yeah. Their liver starts to tank because the liver is processing all these drugs. And then, you know, I would, I often would say I would see animals that were, had chronic disease and I would go through files like this big and I would sit there and go, wow, okay, like I got to figure out what started all of this? Like, where did this start? And, you know, often it started with puppy vaginitis or its first ear infection or its first case of diarrhea. And then you could just see it, you know, like just follow, follow the, follow that, that train, right? So then I think at some point the body is so confused that it then either starts to turn it on itself, which is like autoimmune disease. Yeah doesn't even know whether it's coming or going or it gets moved in the direction of not understanding what it's supposed to kill and what it isn't supposed to kill and how fast the cells are dying and how fast the cells aren't dying you know because usually in this root there's a steroid even if it's even if it's like an ear steroid right like even if it's a topical steroid there's you know steroids are and people don't even know that they're steroids they're yeah. just here's an, ointment, here's an ointment right here's an ointment that'll help him not itch or help her not itch or help her get some sleep and not itch or help you get some sleep because she's not itching at the edge of your bed um we don't even know what we're doing right they don't even people don't even understand what we're doing so i feel like there's so many ways of empowering ourselves um courses to take you know homeopathic courses to take i've got so many on my website i have a i have a thing that's called are you vet ready i have a cancer a whole cancer thing on my website that people can go on and and look at so i think and then dealing with the symptomatology and the symptoms in a way where we're actually addressing the core issue of why they're sick yeah. rather than continuing to suppress and repress yeah. but if your animal is going in I think there's a big there's a there's a really really solid 
way that we always looked at it. So if, if a dog comes in and it has a lump and, and the person is concerned about this lump, we never recommended fine needle aspirates, right? So I, from, and this is from an experience that happened to me with my own dog, which moved me in the direction of holistic medicine because he was four years old and um, diagnosed with, with cancer. Uh, he was a mixed breed dog. And I was in, conven in a conventional practice and I was just devastated. And, um, you know, my mom and my grandma had been telling me, I think I told that story lots of times, but my mom and my grandma had been telling me ever since I was doing conventional medicine that everything on our farm was getting sick. Yeah. And I was stubborn, super stubborn. I knew everything in the whole entire world. And, you know, disagreed with them and, you know, that they didn't know what they were talking about. And then all of a sudden, boom, my own personal love of my life gets cancer when he's four. And I just didn't even know what to do. And I went to my mom. I said, I don't know what I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. They want to do all of this stuff. And, you know, the oncologist wants to do this and blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know exactly what to do. Call Virginia. And Virginia was our holistic practitioner as a kid when I was growing up. And I did. And she said, okay, what are you feeding him? At that point, I'd taken him off of home-cooked food, which is what we always used to give as a kid when I was growing up. And he was on kibble. And she's like, get him off of that. Like that, what? Like, what? You, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? What? Yeah. <laughs> and she was just like, couldn't believe that I was feeding my dog this. <laughs> yeah. And um, and she said, when you go for surgery, because it was... It was um, it was a, it was a tumor in his intestine. Uh, when you go for surgery, don't. Or when you go for your for your um, wasn't even surgery. I was going to I was going to a internal medicine and oncology uh, um, clinic. Don't let them do a fine needle biopsy. And I said, well, they've already got them scheduled. They're going to do a fine needle biopsy with an ultrasound, right? Because they saw that they saw the tumor on the X ray. And then I was going over there and they were going to do an FNA with a fine needle, a fine needle biopsy with, with, which is the safest way if you're going to do something internal yeah. is to do it with, um, an ultrasided guided one. I said, he's already going to have that. She said, decline it. And I said, well, how do I decline it? They need to have it to know what it is. And she said, Julie, if you're not going to do chemo, cause I'd already knew I wouldn't do chemo or radiation or anything oh, like that with yeah. him. Um, if you're going to just go and have the surgery done, go have the surgery done and then have them send the whole tumor off. Do not aggravate that tumor. Do not, do not piss it off. Do yeah. not, do not, do not. Cause she explained to me that, you know, there's all the, I mean, I knew all this physiologically from school, but you know, when you put the needle in and you take it out, there's a, a large, her opinion was there's a large chance that you would then um, spread the tumor cells through the capillaries as you're as you're pulling it out, and and that the body creates this tumor to stop it from metastasizing and going all over the place in the body. If you aggravate it, inflame it, traumatize it, you know, chances are before I can get back and have surgery, it's going to be, you know, exponentially larger. So I remembered that. And when I went, they thought I was insane. They were not happy campers that I didn't want to do that, but they still were very nice and respectful. And they, 
they booked me in for surgery, but they couldn't get me in for 11 days. And in the meantime, we did like SEX suppositories, rectal suppositories. And like, I just leaned on her a hundred percent of what to do with him. Still kept my, my appointment to have it removed, but it was going to be a big one, really big one. Um, they had to resect part of his, part of his bowel and he had a very guarded prognosis and, um, they couldn't tell me what kind of cancer it was, but, but, you know, even, even if it didn't metastasize, they were really concerned of how big it was and, and, and the complications of removing that much. So anyways, I took him in and yeah. I got a hotel cause it was far away and they called me. And I was just like, oh my God, you died. You know, they are, they opened it up and it's so big now that they can't, it's inoperable. You know, like I was just thinking of all of this stuff. Yeah. And he said, um, uh, he's done. And do you have a minute to pop over? I want to go over some stuff with you. And I said, yeah, of course. Like the, the guy was wonderful. And I went over and he said, I have no idea what you're doing. Not sure I'm even interested. <laughs> But whatever you were doing, keep doing it because we didn't have to resect anything. It was completely encapsulated. We were able to remove it without resecting any of his bowel oh, wow. and his prognosis. Depending on what it is, they were going to send it for histopathology, like the whole the whole tumor. But his prognosis has shifted and he's not going to have to be here for, you know, two weeks and, you know, feeding tubes and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, but... But anyway, so, you know, in that moment, I, I completely shifted gears to what I wanted to do in my life. And, um, but I'll never forget that. And, and when people would come to me and I would say, I don't think you should do an FNA. We will do one if you really want one in, in whatever we have the means to do it at our clinic. But this is why I wouldn't do it. I never would tell people don't do something. Yeah. I just gave them options. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so what I try to help people is guide them through that whole process. You know, what it's always, what are you going to do with the outcome? Because if you're going to do radiation and you're going to do chemotherapy, then you have to do that. You've got, you have to know, you have to give your veterinarian or your oncologist, the best information you can give them in order for them to figure out what, what to do, right? Like that's, that's what has to happen. But if you're not, if you know that you're not going to go down the chemo or radiation thing, leave it alone. Let's take it out. Let's remove the whole thing. And then we'll see, we'll see then what, what's going on. So there's, there's all different there's all different approaches that you can even take to cancer. There's not just one approach. You know, there's pro approaches with diagnostics. There's approaches with treatments. There's approaches with, you know, how to how to navigate how you're feeling and your family and, you know, be able to work through this as gracefully as possible with the least amount of fear, um, which makes a, a, a major difference. Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat. For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, 
Easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets. Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes. At Girls Gone Raw Pet Health, our goal is to provide unique, nutrition-packed, carnivore-focused, dehydrated treats and chews that your pets will go nuts over and that you can feel confident feeding them. We hand-select only the highest quality, human-grade meats, foster relationships with small, generational family farms, and scour the market for the freshest, most unique products. So get fresh and go raw with us. Follow us on social media at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health for nutrition tips and industry news, and find local retailers and shop online at www.girlsgonerawpet.com. Because even if your dog dies, so this is what happened with me. And I don't know if I've already told you this. I might Have I told you the story about Joseph, my, my, my horse? No, I don't think so. I don't know. So, so I had this horse that was my knight in shining armor. I always said, say that, you know, when one day I was really hoping I was going to kiss him and he was going to turn into my <laughs> prince. But I just adored this horse so yeah. much. Like he was everything to me. That's what my, that's why my farm is called Joseph's field okay. um, after him. So, so I, Joseph came from Bishop, California and I rescued him. He was a big rescue horse and um, I wanted him to have a better life and I needed a better life too. I was on call for, I was in adrenal fatigue and working at my clinic for 23 years and had a pager on me for the majority of that. And I was burning out big time and my doctor said to me, you know what, you just got to go. You have to, you need a, a full sabbatical, like, or you're going to, you're going to die. Um, so I was like, okay, Joseph, you and I, we're, we're, we're heading out east. So we moved from Vancouver and I bought this really beautiful, massive farm um, on the ocean in Nova Scotia. And, you know, I would always say that, you know, Oh, Joseph, there's this huge field for you and, you know, whatever. So we came out and, and I brought everybody out with me and, you know, big, huge tra tractor trailers of animals. <laughs> it's like Noah's Ark. And we got out here and I was so happy. And about two months later, he was falling over, couldn't, couldn't stand up and big, big, huge draft horse. And Anyways, make a long story short, he had um, equine protozoa myeloencephalitis and not cancer, but equally as life-threatening and not treatable and dangerous. And I was determined that this horse was not going to die. Over my dead body was this horse going to die. And I spent three years talking to every vet doing every single modality, doing living, like just in this place of constant research and talking to research centers and trying to research stuff myself and doing stuff at Latin labs. And like this horse was not going to die. And three years later he died. And, um, I remember when I was on, he had this awesome day and I was like, okay, we've, we've got this right? Something. He had about four awesome, really, really days, good days. And I remembered, um, uh, this is really sad. I don't know if you want to hear this, but it's pretty profound. I was with a partner at the time and we weren't, we weren't getting along very well, Yeah. but, um, Joseph would fall over and he was a 
2,200 pound draft horse. Yeah. And my partner and I lived out remotely. Sometimes we would have to take chainsaws and whatever he was up against when he fell, we would have to like chainsaw sides of the barn down, right? To, to, to get him out of things. I mean, after we didn't put him in situations like that, but we were in situations like that, not knowing. Yeah. Um, and I just thought to myself, I can't be alone here. Like, like it's more important that I'm unhappy than Joseph get into a position where I can't help him. Right. right? Like I just, I just couldn't live with myself. And I was seeing a shaman and I was bawling my eyes out. And, and I just said like, I, I'm so unhappy in this relationship, but I would rather be unhappy than, than, than Joseph suffer. Yeah. And he was having this half decent week and I talked to her and I came back and the next day he fell over and he couldn't get up. And we tried pulling, picking him up with slings with the tractor, everything could, could not get, was done. He was done. He was like, I'm done. And I was lying down beside him and I called, I was decided that we were going to euthanize him. <clears throat> and in, in this instant, I realized that he was leaving so that I would be happy, right? That I could get on with my life. It just, in that instant, I knew that's what he was doing. And then I was like going, I changed my mind. Don't please, you know, like I was like, it, it was, it was really intense. But then after I euthanized him, the bigger, the biggest, the biggest lesson for me is I didn't spend any time with him in those three years. I never, I couldn't, I was so determined to save his life that I didn't, I wasn't even part of his life. Yeah. And every time I was down there, I was like checking things and testing things. And, and of course I loved him and kissed him and told him all the time how much I loved him and stuff, but I wasn't connected. I was in so much fear and so driven and so focused on this fight or flight. He's going to live. I don't care what happens. He's not going to die that I literally didn't spend any time with him. And the time that I did spend with him, I was just all in my head and not in my heart other than it was just too painful to be in my heart. Right. Right. And I didn't, I'd go down. And if I went into my heart, even for a second, like I was a hysterical mess in the barn. Yeah. So when he died, I had an, an, an elderly Dane Mastiff cross and she was like my heart dog. And I looked at her and she was, I think she was at the time she was 10 and which is even old for a Dane Mastiff. Yeah. And I looked at her and I'm like, I will never do this to you. This is like, I will never do this to you. And from that day forward, every time I took her for a walk and I left my phone in the house every single time I, 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 I spent such quality time with that dog. Like I shifted, I shifted my whole perspective of, life and death and it's so interesting because that's what i used to teach people but given given that situation i couldn't even do it for myself yeah. with joseph yeah. i forgot everything that i was teaching people everything that i not even because i wasn't teaching from my head i was literally teaching but i was separate from them a little even though you know 
three o'clock in the morning, they could call me and I was there in a second. Like I adored my patients and my, and my, and my clients, but I didn't experience it for myself. And then when I did, it was like this massive wake up call. And it's why, why I do lecture about cancer and I do talk about chronic disease and I do talk about, about spending quality time and allowing ourselves to share space with our animals and letting our animals teach us things and provide us with a different life and lifestyle. Um, and I just feel, truthfully feel, like cancer is just another thing that falls into all of that. Yeah. It shouldn't be separated. It, you know, should, shouldn't, my opinion is it shouldn't be separated. You know, like my, my sister, you know, I'm going to start to cry. Uh, my sister right now, they're telling her, you know, for six months, she basically has to stay isolated while she's on chemo because they have to use, it's a really rare, rare cancer. And, and, um, and I, and I just can't imagine how anything's going to heal that way. You know, being alone, right? being a person and being alone. So I'm spending tons of time with her on Facebook and I'm, you know, um, we're doing fun things together and I'm trying to help her, you know, I'm meditating with her and I'm doing all of that kind of stuff with her, doing visualizations and, and, and I'm, I'm helping her. I'm trying to help or can I'm tr not even help her. I'm connecting with her. Connect. Yeah. Right? Like I'm yes. So I think when it comes to cancer, you know, home from a, from a treatment theoretical point of view, I, I honestly believe that, homeopathy is by far like when when it comes to treatments and and you know interactive treatments with like if people do decide that they want to do surgery or chemotherapy or radiation there's nothing that compares to homeopathy and that's because and I worked with you know Guelph University I worked with lots of oncologists with my clinic yeah. because they aren't scared that there's ever going to be an interaction Right, because homeopathy is energetic medicine, so they don't worry that you know it's going to maybe be contraindicated with whatever drug that they're using for the cancer. Yeah. So, so you know, for everyone that's listening, if your animal, family member, whatever has been diagnosed with cancer, I can honestly say that home from an integrative perspective, I don't, I've never seen anything like homeopathy. You know, for 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 everything from side effects of chemotherapy, side effects of radiation, um, supporting the immune system, pain, fear, the list just goes on and on. It's, it's, it's incredible. So, you know, I would, I would highly recommend that they reach out to a qualified homeopath. Um, you know, medicinal mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms in Japan right now, it is, it, I, I, it's like, it's, it's highly recommended, if not mandatory, to use turkey tail in combination with chemotherapy. Oh, interesting. Right? They, yeah. There, there's, there's so much research with medicinal mushrooms and cancer. I can't even tell you. But you know, our conversation before, um, it, it, you know, as sad and as scary as it sounds, you know, we have a medicinal mushroom forest, and we don't say that we prevent cancer we don't say we don't even like from our perspective of our products we don't even go there but we cite all this really cool you know 
studies from uh, Penn State University did a study with turkey tail and hemangiosarcoma. And, you know, there's there's tons of human chaga studies, cancer studies, and tons of, tons of, tons of medicinal mushroom studies in yeah. cancer. And we got a letter from Health Canada two days ago that we have to take it all down. Oh, and, you can't even you put know, the links up there? Like nope, on the website? And the it, oh, wow. Nope. Oh, that's... No. Nope. Because like no, on the website, the you have the link, and you guys have a nice uh, like synopsis of the different studies on the website. Yeah. So you have to get rid of yeah, that. Yeah, and we have to take everything down. Um, you know, and it's like, but there's studies. They're, they're, they're peer-reviewed. Um, you know, like, I don't understand why, why can't these studies be on there? Yeah. And when I hear that, it makes me really sad really 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 sad yeah you know makes me kind of furious but it also makes me it makes me more sad than it does angry because i just think about all the people like you know you want to talk about like the mental thing right yeah and and, and the emotional component i don't care whether you're doing chemo if you were going to decide to do chemotherapy so okay it's like okay i've got cancer i'm going to do chemotherapy mm-hmm. um and I read this study that that turkey tail much turkey tail helps with chemotherapy. That would that would give me so much hope, right? It sure. would give me hope. It would give me it would it would make me feel more powerful, like like that I that I was actually involved in my healing process. You know, like not just a a, a pawn to be told what to do and what not to do, and for them not to allow people to research stuff for their own bodies is pretty scary stuff. It's scary. You know, it's, Very it's, scary. It's, it's scary. It's sad. It's 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 almost like unconscionable. Like I can't I can't even I can't even I can't even process that in my in my head. So um, you know, doesn't doesn't mean that people who who are listening and are watching or whatever there's there's lots of sites they're they're targeting more people that sell things right that say mm-hmm. that they're that they're you know they're using these studies and stuff to sell their product so there's there's a little part of it that that maybe i i understand and maybe i get you know and it's unfortunate because you know they're saying oh well all these scammers are out there and whatever and 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 i believe it I do yeah. believe it. I'm not. I'm not like saying, "Oh, that no, that's that's not true." Right. I believe it, but the way we do it, it clearly doesn't say that these are the tur- This is what we. This is what was in the study, or this was our study, or anything like that. Right. So it's kind of like this broad thing. Anything that says, you know, any studies that 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 support, you know, the positive outcomes of cancer, can't can't be on. Can't you can't find them anywhere. You can't can't publicly put them out there so yeah that's very scary you know it is and people just need to you know do their own research i i just everything that i do i try and make it easy for people because when people are scared it's hard to sit down and filter through what's real and filter out so what we've put on are all peer-reviewed studies yeah right so that when people look at it they're like okay this study's real this is a real study yeah that's done 
you know, so that we can help guide people when they're scared or they're, they've just got a diagnosis or whatever to things that are accurate that are on the internet and things that are, you know, valid that are on the internet to help them not go down a scammy road. Sure. And then we're told to take them off. So it, it, it is really, it's, 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 it's very bizarre and strange. All right. So we're going to end today's uh, conversation with uh, Julie and Lee from Door Beast in regards to cancer. We're going to end that conversation today and pick up uh, next week where we left off. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.